Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So, Guru, who's producing the show today and always, you did the morning news. So, you have been here since 4 a.m. in the morning. That's right. 4 o'clock. Now, that is the kind of dedication that management should notice. That's the kind of dedicated, Eric Bilstadt, that is the kind of dedication from employees that I think should be rewarded. I think this young man deserves a raise. Uh, okay, we'll make it happen. All right, well, there you go. I'll tell the See, supervisor to do it. A- a- absolutely. See there that goes. Th- there we go. All right, since 4 in the morning. All right, we've got a lot of stuff to cover on today's program. Let us get started. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at JeffWagner620. I've got a link to a couple stories that we are going to be discussing during the course of the day, including the one that we want to start off the program with. It was a piece on CBS 58 last evening, and I've got a link to the story. And I, I admit, I watched the story, and I, I understand the point of view that CBS 58 was taking, but candidly, I, I think it did a disservice to a local business. Now, here's the story. There is a, a, actually a very, very famous and well-respected man. who It's Bishop Sedgwick Daniels, and he runs the Holy Redeemer Church, which is an, an inner-city church church um, that's been around forever. It is very, very well thought of. Okay, so it involves him. Here is the story. And I guess it goes back to this basic premise of, I don't think Best Buy is in the wrong here. And I have no great love for Best Buy, but but here's what happens. Um, Bishop Daniels, who is the head of this church, he decides that he wants to purchase a number of iPads for people in the church to use. I don't know if it's some of the higher-ups or whatever. So he wants to purchase a bunch of, of iPads. So he goes into the Best Buy store in the River Point Shopping Center, which is in Fox Point. Best Buy has this thing they call a price match, which is if you go in and you want a particular item and you can show that that item is available somewhere else for a lower price, they say we will match the price on the item. Okay, that, that's that's what they agree to do. And there's all sorts of restrictions on this. I spent about 15 minutes of my life last night looking through the Best Buy restrictions on the price match thing. But, but in any event, they've got this price match. So... Um, the, the bishop goes into the Best Buy store, and he's looking to buy a whole bunch of iPads. And he goes up and he says, look, here's the deal. I, I see the price that you are charging. Um, Amazon is having a sale on these items, and it's less. So I want you, I want the item, I want the iPad, but I want you to match the price that Amazon has. And they look and they verify, and, and yes, they say, okay, yes, this, they're selling it for lower than we're selling it. We will match the price. And then he says, okay, and I want 21 of them. And they say, well, apparently first there's a clerk saying, okay. And then what happens, and this is the way he describes it. He says, one person said, yes, we'll get them. Someone bring the key back. Let's open the box so we can sell you the iPads. Then another employee comes up and says, no, I'm sorry, we're, we're not going to sell you 21 iPads. 
not not going to sell you 21 iPads. The price match uh, applies to one. You know, we're, we're you, you can't you can't come in, and I and I think what their concern is is they don't want somebody coming in and using this price match to get the lowest price they found from somewhere and then buying the iPads and then selling them on eBay or something for below what the Best Buy cost is. So, all right, so somebody comes back and says, no, you you can't buy 21 of them. And then according to this interview on Channel 58, the Bishop Daniel says, well, can I speak with a manager? And the clerk says, well, we contacted the manager. We don't know what you're going to do with these iPads. And I assume what he means is we don't know if you're buying them from less than, than we actually sell them, and then you're going to turn around and sell them on eBay or whatever. And so we've decided we're not selling to you, and we have a right to refuse business to anyone that we choose, at which point in time the, business, the bishop says he feels discriminated against, and he was only able to get two iPads. He said it was evident, and I, which I identified, and I said, do you realize that what you're now doing and the way you're talking is profiling and discriminatory? Now, Best Buy, again, they say this isn't profiling, it's not discriminatory. They say, look, we're... We just we don't sell these. We're not the price match thing doesn't apply in bulk. And they said, no, if you want to come in and bring people in individually to buy the iPads, you know, one by one, we will we'll sell them. And actually, that's the next day. That's what the bishop does. He brings a number of his church members in and they, they buy the iPads. You know, 20 of them come in and they buy them and they get them for the lower price. It's just that Best Buy wasn't going to sell at this price match guarantee a bulk number of these iPads. All right, our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, the headline on the story is, Milwaukee Bishop says he was refused business at Best Buy after trying to buy iPads for the church. My take on this is, it it seems at best a, a misunderstanding It's hard for me to see how this is profiling or discrimination. And I guess from the perspective of Best Buy, I understand what they're trying to accomplish here. They've got, they sell items at a certain price. They say that, all right, if you can prove that you found the item somewhere less, we'll, we'll match that. But, but that's the matching. You know, they say we don't want somebody coming in and buying them in bulk at that lower price. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is that an unreasonable position for Best Buy to take? That they don't want somebody to, again, come in and buy all this product at a lower price than they're selling? You know, there's some special deal on Amazon where they're selling it for dirt cheap, and I don't know what the difference was. But but that's the whole point. And, of course, the, the solution is exactly what, in this case, the, the bishop did, which is to bring a bunch of people in. They come in the next day. They all buy one of them, and Best Buy honors the price match guarantee. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I just, I watched this story, and I was trying to see the there that was there. This doesn't seem to me to be discriminatory. It's not that they didn't sell the the iPads to members of the church at the discounted rate. It's not like they didn't match it. They just said, we're not going to sell 21 at once to one person, which strikes me as a very, very reasonable sort of position. And I guess I look at this and think, at best, that this is 
I'll chalk it up as a misunderstanding, but I don't think it's something that's unreasonable on the part of Best Buy. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess I'm, I'm just looking at this thinking, okay, everybody is operating in good faith. I understand, in this case, the clergyman, he, he didn't go in there. He, he wasn't trying to beat Best Buy out. I mean, his pur- purpose wasn't, I'm going to try to buy 21 of these things, and then I'm going to immediately go on eBay, and I'm going to sell them for more than I purchased them. I'm going to, I'm going to sell them. Um, and still make money. I, that wasn't his intent, but Best Buy has to protect themselves, don't they? Let's start with Dell in West Dallas. Dell, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Dell. What do you think? Um, well, I know another reason why um, sometimes these stores don't like to sell at least in bulk is because um, what can happen, and some actually stores will say we won't match an Amazon price, mm-hmm. and it's because of what's happened, like, say, on Black Friday's, where people will put up like bogus um, postings on Amazon and then go into the store and say, "Hey, look, this you know this is what Amazon's selling it for, so you got to match it." And mm-hmm. it's happened in the past, and I know that's a reason too why you know they either won't do it, period, if it's an Amazon post, or they won't sell it to you in bulk because they don't want to sell 20 of them at a ridiculously low price. Well, right. Right. And and then, and then turn around. And again, I understand that's what what was happening here, but they they sell them at a ridiculously low price. And then they see them all up on eBay for, you know, uh, $20 less than they're selling. uh, But, you know, $40 less than they ended up having to sell them for. No, thanks. I mean, I, I guess this makes sense to me. Now, Best Buy, like a lot of businesses, they have, they have, bulk service things where, you know, if you're a school or a church or whatever, you can sign up for a program and you can, you know, buy items in bulk at especially at a, at a different rate that's less than the average consumer would pay if you just walked into the store. But that's not what's going on here. And again, I just, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, now maybe, you know, maybe they did not communicate that policy well, and maybe the first clerk that the gentleman talked to didn't quite understand that. But, I mean, I, discriminatory, I, I just, I'm having problems with that. This one makes sense to me. And, you know, the way the story ends is when he brings back members of his congregation, they all, you know, one by one, they all make the purchases. Now, you can argue that, okay, that was just a lot of unnecessary paperwork, you know, for this. But, you know, that's, that's their policy. Gary in Brookfield. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Gary in Brookfield. Yes. Hi, Gary. I don't think it's discriminating. You know, if they buy one at a time, great. If they bring in a lot of different people, as long as it's individuals, you know, you have to remember it's a brick-and-mortar store. They have certain expenses for overhead. Right. And, uh, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, I mean, I think – and I mean, thanks. Again, I don't know – I don't know what the I, I don't know what the the Amazon price was in relation to what the, the the typical Best Buy price was. So I don't know how much off on the iPads they're getting. But my guess is it, it was a pretty decent discount. That's just kind of my sense to this, and and it adds up. I mean, of course, the other question then is that all right, if you want these, why not just order them directly from Amazon and get that lower price? But I mean, Best Buy. I guess I, I'm looking at the story, and you, and you can judge for yourself. Again, I've got a link up to the story on CBS 58. It just, it, what, what I guess kind of bothered me about it is, I, like I say, at best it strikes me as a misunderstanding. It doesn't strike me as being discriminatory. At best it's a misunderstanding. But I certainly understand Best Buy's policy in this regard. And I'm not a huge lover of Best Buy by any stretch of the imagination. Julie in Richfield. Julie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Hi, Jeff. Hi, Julie. I am a uh, employee of a, a local retailer, and whenever we come up against price match, match issues, um, we will price match a brick-and-mortar store. I think your previous caller touched on that. But we will not price, price match an Internet retailer. Right. Um, just because the prices can vary so wildly, they're not a, a, a direct competitor. It has to be a brick-and-mortar store. And then when we do that price match, customer may be able to get one or two, but definitely not a large quantity. So what Best Buy is doing is more kind than my retailer would do. Right, above above and beyond. Number one, they're matching the Internet price. And number two, right, they're, they're matching the Internet prices, which is something you wouldn't do. And in this case, like I say, they, they sold the they sold the clergyman. They sold him two. But they right. said, hey, more, th- more than two, you know, we're not going to do. And so then then he brought in everybody. <laughs> they came in, 20 people came in, and they bought them, and they matched them. So I, right. I, I mean, and so. Yet, to me, it sounds like it would almost be easier to buy them from the Internet, especially if you're a Prime member. You can get next day free shipping. So all these people aren't going to have to jump in their cars and run to Best Buy. Right. And I, and I don't know why. Right. I, I don't know why they just didn't go ahead and order them, you know, with this price match thing. But when you hear the story, Julie, your sense is that Best Buy didn't do anything wrong in this case. Oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all, because that could wipe out the inventory they had on hand, you know, and and. Then they would have to restock. They wouldn't be left with much, I would imagine, after getting you know twenty one of these tablets. So well, well right, and and again, I, I appreciate and th- what what the bishop here was doing. His purpose was legitimate, but I could easily see a situation where. I don't know. I mean, somebody, again, gets this really dirt cheap price. They've matched something, some rock bottom price on Amazon that's, let's say, for the sake of argument, it's $40 less than Best Buy would normally sell. So you pay $40 under, and then you start charging $20 more than you paid. So it's still $20 less than what Best Buy is paying, and you start selling them on eBay. I mean, I, I, I you okay. know, you don't stay in business very long with that kind of model. No, and, and like I said, for a brick and mortar store to clear out their inventory, that doesn't leave them in a situation where they can sell to other buyers that just come into the store and want to pay the regular sale price or the regular price, whatever it is, because they've got no inventory because they cleared it out on this right. drastically reduced price from that they match from Amazon. Right. No, I have. Thank, thanks, Scott. I appreciate I guess I, and look, if, if you want to see the story again, I have a link to it at Jeff Wagner 620 on Twitter, but I, I, I just, I don't know if the if the implication of the story was Best Buy was accused of being racist or something like that, or they were accused of being anti-consumer. Um, like I say, at best, I, I think you chalk this one up to a, a misunderstanding and a lot of clear, a lack of clarity about the rules. But at the end of the day, um, the, the church got their 20 or 21 iPads. They got them at the deeply discounted price match price. Now, they did have to jump through a hoop, but... I guess I don't think that's unreasonable, absent any evidence that if somebody else walked in there and said, hey, I want 21 of these things and I want them at the lowest price. Here's this rock bottom price I found on the Internet. I want you to match it. Absent evidence that somebody else had gotten that match. I I don't see this as being discriminatory. And at the end of the day, everybody got their iPads and they got them at the cheap rate. So nothing to see here. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. Homeowners on average in the city of Wauwatosa just found that their property, their residential property, had gone up 21 percent in value and they are unhappy about it. Hmm. 
All right. Here's what's going on. Under state law, the uh, communities are required to have their assessments, the, the value of property for property tax purposes. On average, the properties have to be assessed within 10 percent of their full value. So the assessment has to be somewhere between 90 percent and 110 percent. Right. What happens, of course, is values change over time. So, all right, maybe the house you're living in, all right, it was worth one thing five years ago. It could be worth the same, but chances are it's worth something different. Maybe the values in your neighborhood have gone up. Um, maybe they've gone down. But, you know, over a five-year period, there's probably a change. In order to stay in compliance with this state law, some communities change assessments annually. Not all communities. Some change them annually. Wauwatosa does not. The last village, citywide, I'm sorry, it's a city, the last citywide assessment that Wauwatosa did was back in 2013, and that was based on sales data from 2010 to 2012, so they determined a value. All right, so last one is done in 2013. It is now 2019. Wauwatosa had not updated or changed these things. Now, it's possible that, you know, an individual house, you know, if it's sold, my guess is they adjust there because that that sale, you know, something new has happened. But for houses that, that hadn't sold, for example, the assessment doesn't change. So what happens is they find that they are now falling out of compliance with the state law because they haven't done a reassessment for the last five years. So this year, they undertook an assessment pro- of citywide assess- reassessment process. And what it did, it resulted on average in the value of homes increasing about 21%. And so you have a number of property owners in Wauwatosa who are getting these surprises going, wait a second, my, the, 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 the city now says my house is worth more, which means the taxes on your house in all likelihood are going to go up. And there's this huge issue and people are all upset with this. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand that nobody wants to pay more in property taxes. I, I get it. At the same time, while you can argue that it is better management to, for example, you know, gradually, you know, reassess the value of property instead of just waiting, you know, five years to do it, um, I, I guess it's tough for me to be too terribly sympathetic to these individual homeowners who are getting these notices saying, hey, the the value of your property has gone up. As a matter of fact, I would argue that that's probably a good thing. I don't know about you, but I want to live in a neighborhood. I want to live in a community where the value of houses is going up. Now, if you think the assessor blew it and you think that the assessor says, hey, you've got a $175,000 house um, and, and now it's worth two hundred ten, And if you're sitting there thinking, hey, there's no way I could sell my house for $210,000, well, then you've got an individual beef and, and certainly – You have every right to complain and challenge the assessment if you think it's wrong. But in general, the process of, you know, going around and reassessing after a five year, you know, after not doing it for five years, 
you've got to expect that prices are going to go up. At least I would hope that prices go up. Isn't that a good thing? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand there's a number of people in Wauwatosa who kind of have sticker shock because now they're being told that their property is worth dramatically more and that in all likelihood means that their taxes are going to go up and they're going to have to pay more for that. But I I guess I kind of shrug my shoulders when I see this and say, all right, the, the fundamental question is, is the assessment correct or not? If the village says, okay, your house was assessed at $150,000, now we say it's $200,000, and it's worth $200,000, do you have a legitimate beef? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave in Appleton. Dave, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Uh, uh, yes, uh, <clears throat> I'm chairman from the township up here in the sure. uh, Appleton area, and um, we're doing the same thing right now because of a state law. And uh, let me give you an example, uh, if I could, a real quick one. I bought a condo three years ago. It was assessed at 135000 I had to pay 165000 to get it. They're now selling for two hundred. Right. Every We reassess now, and if we go up to two hundred, so will everybody else's. It does not mean your taxes will go up with that. I've been through this 10 years ago. Not necessarily. Maybe, maybe no. not, yeah. Right, maybe and maybe not, because your mill rate will change accordingly. So it's, uh, it's not necessarily a tax increase. People have to understand that. Right, yeah, because what they do is they multiply the mill rate by the value of your home. So it, it may or may not go up depending on the city budget. But let me ask you about the overall process, Dave. Do you think it's unreasonable to go in and say, okay, we're, we're, we're changing the assessment to more properly reflect the value of your home because we haven't done it for five years? Oh, no, you have to do that. We, we try to keep up with it every year. We do it every year. We, you know, it's, uh, not, I mean, not a, not a complex one, but right now we're doing the whole town this year. And uh, uh, so it's the same thing. Uh, right. Absolutely, it's fair. I mean, uh, gosh, it's. Uh, I had someone call me one time and say, "Hey, my house is a uh, is a, I'm, I'm moving out now, and it's not appraised for high enough." Right. Come on. <laughs> well, well, right. Well, that's. I mean, see, that's. I mean, I. I remember, you know, when I. I mean, I lived in the house, my my house in Whitefish Bay for thirty years, and and matter of fact, I I thought. The assessors in Whitefish Bay, I, I thought they, they had a pretty good idea of what the house was, was worth. And the, the truth was I sold it, you know, at a good point. And, I mean, it, that was kind of a starting point for deciding, okay, how much are you going to ask for, for the house? And so I, I never complained when the assessment on the house went up because isn't that, that's a good thing. They're telling you your house is worth Absolutely. more money. Yeah. No, no, thanks for the call. No, and, and again, you're, you're right. It doesn't automatically translate into, into increased taxes. As a practical matter, I bet you it does. Because again, you're like you say, you take the value of the house times the mill rate. If the mill rate gets, is, if the mill rate is lowered, well, okay, then, then maybe it all works out in the wash. My guess is the people in Wauwatosa are probably going to be spending a little bit more, but it doesn't change the fact that their houses are worth more. Greg on the Northwest side. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Yeah. I think the last guy, caller took a little bit of the steam out of it, but yeah, I mean, I sat on a town board when we went through a, a full reassessment and had everybody come in and yell at us that my house isn't worth this much. But bottom line is it's the mill rate. They take the total amount of money that, that homes are worth, divide it by how much they have to have, and that's what you get charged per thousand. Just because your house went up 21% doesn't mean your taxes are going to go up 21%. Assuming they drop the mill rate accordingly. Correct. Yeah. We- you know, and they don't, they don't always do that. But right. Right. You know, they don't automatically keep it the same and, okay, now we got 21% more to spend either because 
they wouldn't be there that long. Well, right, exactly. So people are going to have to wait, actually. And see, the other dynamic that's going on in, in Wauwatosa is they just passed this, this pretty large school spending referendum. So I, I do think it's going to be interesting to see what happens come December when the property tax things goes out, go out. And we'll end up seeing. And it may very well be that everybody in Wauwatosa has a very legitimate beef about, you know, what's going on, you know, in December with their taxes. But at least right now, I, I don't I don't see this as a problem as long as the assessment is correct, as long as that $150,000 house really now is worth 200000 yeah, it only benefits the homeowner. Hell, my house is worth two hundred thousand now. <laughs> right, right. So let me let me put it on the market. Now, thanks for calling. And again, I, I also understand that you know we're, we're talking sort of theory and paper kind of money because if you have no intention of selling your house for the next ten or fifteen years, it doesn't matter whether the assessed value is one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars, unless maybe you're trying to refinance or something. But even in that case, you're going to have an independent appraiser that's done. I understand there's a lot of people that are really bent out of shape about this process in Wauwatosa. I, I think it, it, it's much ado about nothing right now. Maybe December is going to be a different dynamic. I do think I know there's a number of communities, including communities around here, that, that don't wait five years. I mean, they're, they're constantly, you know, doing their reevaluations every year or two. So you don't have these massive, you know, increases in value. But at the end of the day, if you're living in a place where your house is suddenly worth more money, that's a good thing. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstadt, you still think that they should play Rodgers tomorrow night? Uh, earlier on this week, you were you were adamant. You thought they should play him. I don't know if I was adamant. Okay, earlier this week, you disagreed with me when I took the contrary position. Do you still think that they should play Rodgers this week? I just wonder if you could get rid of some of the um, problems uh, that could come up in humming. game one. No, no, no. If you go out there and at least know what he sounds like I, I, in your I, ear out in a okay, real see, game like it, this it, is it, a new coach. If we, if, if we were going <laughs> see, this is what happens. Everything what, is different. I, if you're taking me back to my days as a president practicing lawyer. We're doing this deposition, so I, I ask you a simple yes or no question. Do you still think that they should play Rodgers on Wednesday night? No, I, and then you have these people, humana, humana, humana. <laughs> Mr. Bilstadt, let me repeat the question. Do you still believe that they should play Aaron Rodgers tomorrow night? There's no reason for the preseason if you're not going to play these guys ever. You might as well not even have the preseason. This is all, it's all... So that would be a yes, you believe they should play him. Sure, I know I'll get blown up for <laughs> well, it. Well, no, sure. no, no, no. I mean, it's it's it, I. It, everybody has different opinions on this, but I mean, it is. It was a simple. It was a simple yes or no question. I'm going to hum and hum and. Well, we got to play him. See, no. Well, I, but technically, though, you're right. He is the franchise, but you shouldn't play anybody. You should never play anyone in a preseason well, uh, game. Well, What's but no, but the, I mean, my point would be there's some people that you could uh, that, that there's some people like that you could four. afford to lose more than you can afford to lose others. And of let's course. and let's face it. If and, and here, see, here's my concern. It's that given the decision they didn't play him in the first game at Lambeau Field, which is the one where you would have thought they would have played him, right. that he has these back spasms so you don't play him against uh, Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And Baltimore is a really vicious defense and stuff. My biggest concern is you're up in Winnipeg. You're playing on this field that's like a, it's like right. some kind of yeah. weird turf field or something. Right, right, exactly. That's 
that's my concern is that you're putting him in a complete and again like, I understand you can blow out your knee anytime but I'm thinking okay it's the third preseason game and it's this it's in Winnipeg you know you've never been on that field it isn't might up might not be up to NFL standards and yes you don't want to lose anybody but a third string linebacker slips and blows out his knee your season's not over let's face it no, Aaron Rodgers right. goes down that that's why that's my reason okay I'm, all right Ed. see we we just kind of reason together right um, if if I'm if I'm the new coach, I, it's just like nah, I'm not I'm not putting him out on the field solely because y- yes, and I understand there is a value to having him live game competition, you know, one or two series, you know, against the NFL team. I guess I don't even mean it necessarily so he gets his timing with the players. It's almost just so he can work with Lafleur. Just for you know, just to kind of get a little bit of a feel for it until you you know. Otherwise, in the time you do it will right. be in Chicago Thursday night, right? For all the marbles. My, my concern is Canada field that you've never <laughs> been on, you know, and it, it's this kind of weird turf field. That that's that is my concern. It does bring a a broader point though of whether or not preseason games are even effective anymore, and what's going to happen to them in the future. Because they these oh. all these coaches, Lafleur included, is smart enough to know better than to put right. their guys out. There. Well, you know, back but when I was a kid, back in the day, you know, they had six preseason games. It used to be the NFL season was fourteen regular season games, and then you know they had six preseason games. And well, right, and and I think the, it changed over the years. They used to use preseason games as a way to actually get the team in shape for the regular season. I think a lot of the guys, and it, it wasn't it wasn't full-time year workouts and stuff. A lot of the football players worked second jobs sure. in the offseason yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. You know, now, I mean, it, it is a 52-week-a-year sort of thing. Um, and, and now, rather than really using it, I think, to get the teams ready, what they do is they use it as a, as a way of screening talent. Who's, you know, who's going to make the, the team at that mm-hmm. last level? Mm-hmm. So it's just how it's changed. But, I look, I, I, I you know, I've never been a football coach, but if I'm the head coach, there's no way I'm letting Aaron Rodgers anywhere near that field. Just because <laughs> if, if the unthinkable ends, especially if he's got a balky back, if the unthinkable happens and he's out for any length of time, boy, I tell you, the fans are going to be there with the, the pitchforks and the uh, flaming torches. Well, that's it. Tune in tomorrow night. We will know the answer to it. All right. Do you hear that noise? Ring, 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 ring. Let's answer the phone. Hello? Hello? Who is this? Oh, it's 2010 calling. They want their issue back. The I, I thought we were done with this, but it's it's like when, when you have politically correct lefty ideas, they never die. That you, you think it's like it's like Dracula. You're in the coffin. The movie has ended. They have put the stake through the vampire's heart. And you think the whole thing is over, and then two years later, somehow somebody has pulled the stake back out and Dracula is back. Well, that issue, it is an issue that it went on actually for about 20 years in Wisconsin. I thought it was finally over, but it's not. I am talking about Native American mascots and nicknames for high school. Going back to 1992, when Jim Doyle, former governor, was the Attorney General. In early as 1992, he started expressing concerns that schools should not be allowed to have Native American nicknames. In one of his final acts, as he was going out the door as governor in 2010, he signed legislation which essentially 
had the practical effect of outlawing Native American nicknames. What it said was, if one person in a community, one person, filed a complaint alleging that the nickname or the mascot was offensive, the presumption was that this would be offensive. And the school district would then have to be in a position of defending it, but the presumption it was, it was. And on top of that, you know who got to decide? The state superintendent of schools, which was Tony Evers at the time. So you had these people who came in, they filed complaints, they objected to this, and you had some communities where the people said, look, you know, this is, we've been the McGuanago Indians forever. You know, and we're not changing. And they filed lawsuits. And this was a huge issue for two or three years. Finally, the issue I thought was resolved when in 2013, Governor Scott Walker signed legislation into effect, which basically undid the law that Doyle passed in 2010. And I thought kind of put an end to this. Um, the idea being, Right now, you can still file complaints, but there has to be a, a large percentage or a decent percentage of people in the community that have to file complaints, and then um, the review process is completely and totally different. So the, the issue has kind of been put to bed. The vast majority of school districts in the state do not have Native American nicknames or imagery. I think it's down to 31 uh, school districts. The Wisconsin Association of School Boards, led by led by the Wausau School District, but being joined by Eau Claire, Milwaukee Public Schools, Madison, of course, Shorewood, of course, Sun Prairie, of course, and now Appleton, are now resurrecting this issue. And what they're trying to do is they are trying to get a vote of all the different school districts in the state, encouraging the legislature to adopt new laws, which would take us back to presumably 2010, essentially outlawing Native American imagery. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me be clear on this issue. I think it is a matter of local control. I don't think the Wausau School Board has any right to tell McGuanago what is and isn't offensive to the people of McGuanago. I don't think the Shorewood School Board or the MPS School Board has any right to tell Menominee Falls what mascot is and is not offensive. If people in a local school district believe that the mascot, the nickname, the imagery is offensive to people in that community, they have every right to I don't know, pressure the local school board to make a change. But I don't think people in Wausau should be dictating to people in McGuanago what their sensibilities should be. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. Do we really now, in 2019, do you want to really resurrect these battles that I we fought 10 years ago and I, I thought had been over? All right, do we need to do away with the Menominee Falls Indians, the McGuanago Indians, and some of the other nicknames? 414-799-1620, we discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. I'm sorry, I don't think people in Madison 
have any right, this would be in the Madison School District, to tell people in McGuanago or Menominee Falls or Fredonia, I'm trying to think of a couple of the places that are around here, or Fredonia or Muskego, they're the Muskego Warriors, or the Fredonia Warriors or the Menominee Falls or the McGuanago Indians. I don't think the Madison School Board or the Wausau School Board or the Shorewood School Board that Lord knows is incredibly screwed up, I don't think they have the right to tell these communities, well, we think these nicknames are offensive and you need to change them. 414-799-1620. Tom in Watertown. Tom, good afternoon. Hiya, Joe. Hi, Tom. My, my thing is, why don't they let the Native Americans decide once and for all, instead of going through these legislators and all these school boards and stuff like that, where it's brought up year after year after year for school districts, let the Native Americans decide in their council if they like these names, because a lot of these Native Americans are proud of these names mm-hmm. for schools and stuff like that. And just let them decide, and then it should be done for... Well, but I, but I guess the problem is, how 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 does... How does how do they decide? Because my guess is there there's a huge split in the Native American community. Some people, you know, might say, "Oh, this is terrible." Other people might say, "Hey, they've been the Maguanago Indians forever." Maguanago is a is an American Indian name. It means what home of the bear or something like that. All the streets have have Native American names on. I mean, I guess the the question is how how do you even decide that? If you say, "Okay, we're going to leave it up to the tribes," but there, there's there's nothing. It's not like there's a monolithic view of that. I think they have councils, though. They have tribe councils where they could actually go and decide if they want to have this or not. Just like we have councils, they have their own councils. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess you could. I guess, look, the, the, the bottom line is I think this is a matter of uh, the ultimate matter of local control. And I, I understand if there are people in a community that say, all right, now, you know, if, keep in mind, backtrack, when, when you had when you had the, the, the Doyle Law that went into effect, you had all this litigation, you had a number of people in McGuanago who said, look, this is, you know, the, the McGuanago Indians, we're not using this in a defamatory way at all. I mean, you know, McGuanago is, ba- McGuanago itself is, of course, it, it's a Native American name. The streets are Native American, like 50% of the streets have Native American names on them. You know, we use this as a symbol of respect, and simply because you've got one or two people that that are upset with this, that's not a basis for changing. To me, that's the right way to handle it. The people in Shorewood have no business telling the people in Menominee Falls what is acceptable to the people in Menominee Falls. Again, if this is a situation where folks in Menominee Falls wake up one morning and suddenly they are What's the phrase? They are now woke. Oh, my gosh, this has been terrible, and we've been so insulting in this, and we need to change this particular name because some people might, might not perceive it as, as the tribute that we intend it to be. Well, that's fine. Folks in Menominee Falls can make that change, and if the school board refuses to go along with it, then you vote out the school board members and you bring them all in. And, and that's the way the process is supposed to work. But this idea that you know we should be able to dictate in this fashion to these local communities what's acceptable because here in Wausau, and this is where this whole thing started, where, by the way, you know we don't have, you know, in our school district, we don't have any schools that have Native American nicknames, but we should be able to tell, you know, 
people in McGuanago what we find to be appropriate or not. I mean, that's kind of where I draw the line. It's simply not their business. This, to me, is the ultimate matter of local control. Now, what's going to happen with this is it's going to get newspaper story after newspaper story, and my guess is the ever-so-politically-correct school boards are going to go to some meeting in January, and they're going to vote overwhelmingly to petition the legislature to make the change, and there'll be more articles after that. And at the end of the day, probably nothing's going to happen on this because, again, I think the legislature legislature got it right in 2013 and even in our woke society even in these days of politic people who are politically correct and perpetually offended i don't think anybody wants to revisit that especially not at the urging of the shorewood school board or the walk the wausau school board or the madison school board or mps and as to those different school boards I mean, maybe the other advice would be, you know, if you want to really deal with stuff, my guess is whether you're in Madison or MPS or certainly Shorewood, you've got a lot more pressing problems to deal with that are a lot closer to home than worrying about what McGuanago's nickname is. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The headline in the Journal Sentinel, this is Jeff Wagner, by the way, says businesses along Highway 100 are hurting as the $25 million road construction project continues in Hales Corners. For the last 16 months, the the people along Highway 100 and and Hales Corners have had about a two-mile stretch of, of road through the entire length of the village and right down its middle, they they have had the roads torn up and in some cases almost impassable. And they've had the, the constructions change things and sometimes stuff is open and sometimes it isn't. There's an interesting story in the Journal Sentinel yesterday that talks about how how this has been. And it's gone on for 16 months, and it's going to go on for at least another few more months. How this has been devastating for all the businesses along this area. It interviews people who run restaurants, and they're saying people can't get here. You know, it's just they, they, they're, they show up during the lunch, quote-unquote, rush at a pizza place, and there's, there's one table that, that's filled, and that's only because apparently they're running some sort of special. Um, customers just aren't going to any of these places because they can't get to the parking lots. They've given up eating at these different places. And apparently this has been devastating, and it's continuing to, to go on. And the businesses are saying, hey, th- th- there's hassles all up and down here, and, and it is absolutely killing our business. And like I say, this is going to last for month after month after month. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand that roads need to be fixed. I get it. I understand that you need some new construction and sometimes you need to alter traffic patterns and do things like that. I get it. But here's my big beef, and this is what I would like to invite your comments on. And particularly if you are a business owner that's ever been affected by this stuff, when we are going to be doing these projects that are going to have a significant impact on for example, the people who are, are paying the taxes and employing folks, I think it is unconscionable that this stuff is allowed to last as long as it is. This project in Hales Corners has been going on for 16 months and will probably go on for another couple months. My guess is there are a lot of businesses along the stretch that if they have not closed, 
they're not going to be able to recover from what has happened to them, essentially being almost unable to operate for you know a year and a half. Imagine if your business or your employer wasn't able to operate or that people couldn't get to your place of business for a year and a half. My guess is you'd be closing up shop or you'd see a lot of people losing their jobs. I had a, a friend, and I'm not going to name him, um, I had a friend who a number of years ago, he, he runs, a, he runs a, a, a business, small business, doesn't matter what it is, small business, but the, the area in front of his business was torn up for over a year, and even though this was a business that had been in existence for decades, that, that construction damn near put, put him out of business because people couldn't get to his place. I mean, there was, you, you could go through some sort of convoluted, I mean, if normally you drive down a particular street and take a left turn, you're in his business, or a right turn. This was, well, you have to go two miles out of your way, and you have to circle around and come on back, and then you can go through, you cross a dirt road and go across a gravel road, and you're there. Well, no matter how loyal the customer base was, soon, sooner or later, it became just too much of a pain in the you-know-what for people to go there. So they started going to other places. And in all seriousness, this one year, darn near put this business that had been around for decades, darn near came close to putting it out of business because they just lost a huge amount of their customer base. And even after the road construction was done, it took them a couple years to get that back. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I understand that you have to have construction, but when you're talking about businesses and people's livelihoods, I do not for the life of me understand why to essentially do a road project over two two miles of road in Hales Corners around Highway 100 that it takes you know, the better part of two years to get it done. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would not we be better with an increased sense of urgency? You know, all right, instead of starting 50 projects and tearing up everything and not getting them finished, wouldn't it make more sense to let's do this project, let's get it done, let's get these people's lives back to normal, and then let, let's go on to the next project? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess in particular, if you've been caught up in this project, if you patronize those businesses out on Highway 100 and Hales Corners where we're talking about Forest Home Avenue, I mean, has it been as bad as a lot of the businesses are saying? And, you know, what, if anything, is the answer? 414-799-1620. I just, I can't imagine what it would be like if I was running a restaurant in that area or a dry cleaner or whatever, and, and all of a sudden you find that for a year and a half, people aren't going to be able to get into your business with any degree of ease. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll talk about it. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
Let's start with a couple texts. Cade from, Cade from Hales Corners text, Chef, I live a mile away from the McDonald's, and I don't want to go pick up food from there anymore. They don't tell you when they're going to be closing the intersection. There are huge humps in the road, and I have to go past some places a mile and a half and then backtrack. Saves the gut, I guess. Well, but see, this is the problem. You know, you, you'll do that for a little bit, but then after a while, people decide no. Another text, Jeff, Sendex Fresh to Go couldn't wait it out. They have closed. Um... Let's see, Jeff, we often frequented businesses on Highway 100, but now avoid that stretch whenever we have a choice. Um, Let's see, this is even, okay, it's awful. They split the road in two where you have to drive, uh, we have to drive to drive and then drive until you, you have to drive and drive and drive until you hit the end of the construction. Can you finally turn around? So you better be going south. If your restaurant establishment is on the west side of the road or north or on the east side of the road, it'll take you an extra 10 minutes to get where you want to go. And the problem is that um, the problem is just people after a while, they just don't do it. And that's what my friend who ran his business a few years back, a number of years back, said it was just it was a nightmare. Jeff, this is what they do. They go start a project to lock the contract in. Then they leave. It's a famous practice in construction. Look at the freeway project in Menominee Falls. They work on at most one day a week. Makes me sick that they're able to get away with that. Yeah, see, that's see. And, th- and that's my point. I understand you have to have construction, but you're talking about one point eight miles. Really, 1.8 miles. It's it, it. Does it need a year and a half or two years where you're having this type of of just complete obstruction that's going on for these businesses? Jeff, Highway 100 is a disaster. We live west of it. My son's school is east of it. I dread going that way. I have sadly avoided restaurants along the stretch because we never know what lanes are going to be open, what entrances are going to be available. I feel horrible for the businesses. It has been a horribly long process as well. I don't know what the answer is, perhaps breaking it up into one-half-mile increments. I guess my answer would be just start it, get it done. Start it, get it done. All right, here's a text. Jeff, how could they repave Lake Drive from Shorewood to Fox Point in two weeks? Huh, good question. 414-799-1620. Jeff in Wind Lake. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon. Hi. I was just uh, telling your screener, I, uh, my barber is on Highway 100. I was just in there Monday, and I asked him when they were going to finish this. He said, supposedly in October. I asked him how bad... Uh, it hurt his business. He said he was down easily 50%. 50%. And that's what he told me just Monday. And I couldn't agree with you more. They start projects, and then they disappear for a month or two months. Nothing gets done. Right. They need to hold these people accountable for a start and finish date, and that's that. Yeah. Uh, it does kill businesses. I had a buddy that... Uh, at a similar incident out in Union Road about seven years ago, they shut the whole downtown completely down. Yeah. Uh, these these people just have no clue when they're setting up a job how devastating it is to business. Yeah, because, uh, Jeff, even when that project is fit, and, and let's say they finish it by the end of October, okay, let, let's say that, your barber has lost 50% of his business. Some of those people will come back, but you know what? A lot of those people have moved on to other barbers, and they're probably not going to come back. Well, and the sad fact is the most loyal people I think you'll ever find for customers are hairdressers. Yeah. People get used to a hairdresser, and they will knock their socks off to get to that person. Right. If those people are down 50%, 
Can you imagine what the other businesses are now? Right, ex- exactly. No, th- thanks for call. I mean, uh, imagine. Okay, imagine a, a restaurant, like a, a coffee shop type of thing or something like that, and you have a bunch of guys who get together for coffee and breakfast you know, three times a week or whatever. That, I'll use guys as the example for here. And, and, and they've been doing this for year after year after year, and finally it just becomes too much of a hassle because the streets are torn up and they can't get to that restaurant, so they're going to find another restaurant. And, yeah, maybe everything opens up later on, but, you know, by that time you've started, you've gotten to know the waitresses or maybe the owners at the other place. It, it's just tough to get once people get out of a habit it's tough to get them back in bill in greendale bill you're on wtmj good afternoon hey jeff hi bill i miss working on your furnace in, in whitefish bay oh, okay got it <laughs> hey um this is terrible and i hope i'm not to stay off my or kids get off my lawn guy that i promised myself that i would never grow into but road construction in our area is an absolute joke it goes on forever I um I, I I take Capitol Drive and I sit regularly now on Capitol Drive where they took down an overpass. Right. And I took a picture on Friday on my way home as I sat there for a half of an hour, and I watched a guy working hard with a shovel in a hole, with seven guys standing around watching him. And you know those guys make thirty to eighty dollars an hour doing what they are doing or not doing. Right. These you know these projects need to get done. It, it, one at a time, get it done, move on to the next one. But it just, it, no. I think it must, and, and it, it is, it, you just know that politicians and the, and the road unions have got some sweetheart deals going on here, and it's disgusting. It is such a waste of our, and you know, they'll be back to those same roads. They don't last anymore either. Right. Well, they'll it's interesting you talk about that Capital Drive project. I mean, it's, it's a mess from our studios here oh. on Humboldt and Capitol to try to get to the freeway. It's been a mess forever, and I only drive. I, I take other ways to get here and to get back. Because I, but every once in a while, I have to drive that. And I, I swear, I haven't seen. It's been it's been a mess for six months now or so. And I, I have every time I drive it, it's not like I see that they're any closer to getting the no. thing done. No, and there's only ten guys working there. I, I honestly drive that every day. You know, to and from work. Um, and there's 10 guys working on it. That's, that project needs 100 guys. Right. And get it done. Get it finished. No, thanks for the call, Bill. I, I appreciate it. And then, and then of course, I mean, I, I'm, gonna, I'm talking about Hale's Corners because it's been this particularly horrible thing for a year and a half on these businesses. But, yeah, you on, on our side of town, you've got you've got the whole Capitol Drive thing by the freeway torn up. Now, you know, one exit, two exits north, they're tearing up the whole thing around Silver Spring to do stuff at Bayshore. And, and it's just like, why don't you finish one project, get it done, and then go move on to the other one. But again, you know, 16, 18 months out in Hale's Corners with, you know, through the heart of the city and all these small businesses and going back to the last first caller, says, you know, as Barbara says, it's down, business is down 50%. I mean, that's uh, 414-799-1620. Mike in West Dallas. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, thank you. And thank you, Screener, for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, I'm telling you, Screener, that you know, if uh, a contractor can't get the job done in a certain amount of time, and you can sign a contract, you know, say you get it done in a year. If you can't do that, well, then you move on to the next contractor. There's, there's more than one around. Or you find them every day if they blow through the contract and, and can't get it done. I was telling him also about Brady Street. Now, granted, Brady Street is not 1.8 miles. Right. However... They shut Brady Street down for a weekend, repaved the entire thing 
from Van Buren all the way up to Farwell. They started it Friday night. They were done by Sunday night. It was reopened Monday morning. <laughs> right. You know. now, now, what they're doing in Hales Corners <laughs> is a little bit more complicated than that, but but still. It, it's, Definitely. Right, but but still, it's a year and a half. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. It, it, but your yeah. point is, and you're exactly right, it shows that where where there's a will, there's a way. And you, you can yeah. do stuff quickly, and, and maybe it means you're going to close that road for a week or whatever. Okay, and that's going to be an inconvenience to the dry cleaners and the barbers and the businesses, but that's sure a heck of a lot better than making it almost impossible for people to get to their businesses for a year and a half. Absolutely. No, thanks yeah, for calling. No, I pre- it is, and it's just, and, and nobody cares about the, these businesses. I just, I, I remember a few years back when Milwaukee was considering, and they ultimately did that. Remember, they gave all this money to Boston Store. Now, Boston Store ultimately went belly up, but they gave all this money to Boston Store as an incentive to stay open. And the example I gave, and I, I remember I had an alderman who had contacted me, and, and he said, well, you know, how can we be giving this money to people from Bo- for Boston Store to stay open? I've got businesses in, in my district that have been, they've seen their businesses drop 30, 40, 50, 60 percent because we've had the roads torn up in front of their fill-in-the-blank, whatever store it is, and people haven't been able to to get there for six months or eight months or a year. I mean, if, if we're going to be giving out money for businesses to stay, shouldn't we be helping these businesses that we, that is the city, has effectively put out of business by doing these road construction projects that, that never, ever end? Let's talk to Todd in Milwaukee. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Uh, thank you for taking the call. Sure. Um, I couldn't agree more with the incentivizing or penalizing for people not meeting Deadlines. So we've incentivized uh, huge construction projects for coming in before deadline. They can make millions of dollars by beating the deadline. We don't find them. But one of the things I think that should be considered is as a small business owner, I hold business disruption insurance. Right. But I think that these bids for the contractors have should be have to pay, and maybe it's collected between the municipality, government structure, the contractor, and even some little cost to some of the businesses. They can validate what their previous year sales were or what their revenues were and have an insurance policy that goes in place and the premium goes up more for the contractor the longer they prolong this. At least there'll be some coverage to come back in and help with these businesses. It could be validated, be a shared risk and be able to do that. But we don't do it, but we could. Right, and and of course, that under your idea, that would give the contractor an incentive to get the stuff done in a timely fashion. No, thanks. I mean, look, these are all good ideas. And I just I, I, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure out what the solution is. But I think this is a conversation that needs to happen. I understand you need road improvement projects. And, and I'm sure this is going to be great once they get it done. My question is, if if you've put a third of the businesses out of business or you've crippled half of the businesses, like I say, even a lot of the businesses that don't go under, they're, they're going to be hurting scooters. They're going to be hurting scooters for a long time. You know, if, if you're going to have that kind of effect, what's the great, what, why, what's the advantage of having a Taj Mahal of a road if in order to build the Taj Mahal of a road, you've killed half the businesses along that road? And, and I, I don't think the government, I don't think the DOT, really cares about that? Yes, I said it. I don't think they really care about it because if they did care about it, you wouldn't have these projects that drag on forever and ever and ever. This is Jeff Wagner. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So I was all ready to move away from that road construction topic. I just, okay, you put it in the bank till, till I leave the studio during Melissa's news. And, of course, I run into a number of our colleagues, all of whom are worked up appropriately so about this construction project, the never-ending construction project we have going on west of the studios. Our studios are in Capitol and Hampton. We are about a mile to the east of the freeway. And months and months ago, they they tore up. The freeway is, is now closed. You can't get you can't get off going uh, northbound. And so it, it's all torn up. The the road is down to one lane. They're replacing a bridge over Port Washington Road. So Melissa, it it's it's just a cluster fumble, right? It For- really is. And anybody that lives in this area and wants to get to maybe a different section of town, even getting on the interstate, it's... It- it's been that way for quite a while, and I was hoping it would be done by now. But I think they're saying October is when... Well, the, the only way this is going to get done by October is if the, the road construction road ferry comes and well. waves her magic wand. Because it, it, But see, here, here's what the frustrating thing was. I... I I don't go. You you can't go that way. It's just yeah. you you can't get here from, from anywhere yeah. else. So I I just I come in a back way. I'm not going to say the way I come in, but I guess I come in a back <laughs> way and it works. But during state fair, it just it didn't make any sense. So during state fair, I would come in my back way to work. I would pick up the stuff I have to pick up at work, and then I would go down Capitol and, and get on the freeway. So I I saw this, and I I say this. Without without fear of exaggeration. Now the, the, we we you got blocks that are just torn up, and they've been torn up forever. And I would say, every day of State Fair that I was driving that, so I've had Thursday, Friday, and that whole other following week, driving that at, I don't know, somewhere between ten and ten thirty in the morning. At the most, I saw three guys working on this project. At at the most. And there were several days where there was nobody there. I agree. I mean, when when I was going to State Fair as well, um, nobody. One one day I decided, well, I'm going to see how bad this is. I'm going to go that route, and you know, it takes you like 20 extra minutes right. to get even onto the freeway. The yep. freeway. It's like, well, I wish I wouldn't have done that, but um, you know, just to see kind of how the progress right. was, who was working there, and I believe at the time I didn't see anybody working there. And you know, isn't that the case though? You you see these construction sites, nobody's working, and then all right. of a sudden it's done. So hopefully, well, <laughs> hopefully well, that's well, right. Happen, I, guess, but... I guess I guess my my point would be, why don't you just get it yeah, done? No. Just get it done. I, you know, I mean, just. Okay, for most of us with projects, you you kind of time them out. Okay, this is okay. You need a, a week or two weeks or sure. whatever to do to do this, and then you have those people that do that, and you have them do that. Then you have the next group come in. I mean, it's just. And I have to say, the weather hasn't been bad for them to be working out there. Not maybe recently. A, a little hot, but no rain. Maybe, and, yeah, maybe yeah. in the spring. No, no. Maybe you know. I mean, it was a wet spring and stuff, but mm-hmm. no. It's just. I, I think that's the frustration that a lot of us have. Now, again, I'm not a project planner, but it's when you 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 have. And, and the businesses, you can't, that, that's the bigger thing. Okay, it's an inconvenience to you and me, so we have, it takes us longer to get where we're going. But imagine these businesses along this stretch that depend on cars being able to go in and out. That's, and then you sit there and you look at, okay, they've dug the hole and there's nobody here and there's nobody here and there's nobody here. That's a frustrating part. It is. So. Yeah. All right, but that, I, I'm we, glad you brought we, that up because well, that's a project that's just been ongoing over here that you just know that you have to avoid. Yeah, it, if, right. You just have to. Avoid if you get it. stuck in it, you get you're, stuck. You're 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 done. There's no place to get off. So oh, okay, we 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 have now vented. So that's my colleagues were venting. Yeah, we talk about that, and there's just like nobody that that's there. It's kind of 
What one of my analogies is there was a story a number of years ago. There was a Japanese company. I don't know if it was Sony or what. They were looking at buying an American movie studio, and I forget which one it was. And the the, the executives of the studio were sitting there, and they were saying, "Okay, we we make fifteen movies a year. Five are going to be blockbusters, and three maybe it's like three are going to be blockbusters. They're going to make a fortune." And another seven are going to be so-so. They're going to break even or come close. And then five are going to be duds. And that's the number. And one of the Japanese executives just said, well, okay, I, I have an idea. Why don't we just make the three blockbusters? <laughs> you know, and they were saying, well, the problem is we just never know what, which ones the blockbusters are going to be. That's, that's the problem. We, we just don't know anything for sure. But it's kind of like, like these, these construction projects. It's like, all right, why don't you just get it all done? Let's, let's just make the blockbusters. Let's just get the thing finished and then move on. All right. Something completely different. For the last two days, we pretty much avoided national politics, but I, I do, I do want to ask you to react to something that is out there. Language matters. And look, politics, what do they say? Politics ain't beanbag. There's no question that people throw around all sorts of allegations and all sorts of charges. It has become much more mainstream in the last couple of years. Um, Spike Lee, everybody knows who Spike Lee is. He's a film director you know, um, who his big thing was do movie was do the right thing a number of years ago. There's a lot of movies that are out there. All right. So Spike Lee is talking to CNN and they're they're talking about it's the 400th anniversary of the first slaves arriving in North America. The New York Times had this big piece about it. And um, one of the things that, that Spike Lee says is that it's not even a question anymore for him that President Trump is a white supremacist. He says, why are we still asking? Is this guy a white supremacist? Um, it's not a question anymore. I, I mean, I mean, th- there's no there's no issue. Of course, he is a white supremacist when they ask a series of Democratic candidates about that. And I'm looking at a story um, in The New York Times. They ask Elizabeth Warren, do you think Donald Trump is a white supremacist? She says, yes. He's given aid and comfort to white supremacists. He's done it with a wink and a nod. He's talked about white supremacists as fine people. He's done everything he can to stir up racial conflict and hatred in this country. Of course he is a white supremacist. And a number of other candidates say the same thing. Beto O'Rourke, who's, you know, kind of his candidacy is sort of going nowhere, says he is. He's also made that very clear, et cetera, et cetera. South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete says, yes, of course he's a white supremacist. Joe Biden says... Well, no, I'm not going to go that far, but he says, I, I do think the president's encouraged hatred. But we're, we're throwing around these terms. Now, a, a white supremacist, to me, has a very, very specific meaning. I mean, I hear white supremacist, I, I think I think the guy in the white robe burning the cross. I mean, that's what I, I think the, the, the crazy neo-Nazi that, that's out there, I mean, that's what I think of. Donald Trump is now being again. These are main. These are people who want to be the president of the United States, and then and Spike Lee, um, who are saying, "Well, of course, it's it's not even it's not even up for debate. Of course, he's a white supremacist." Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I think there are many things that you can say about Donald Trump, good, 
bad. You can say that he shouldn't tweet as much. You can say that he's a bully. You can say that he is a braggart. You could say that he is tone deaf when it comes to certain issues. But, all right, all these people who now routinely say that the President of the United States is a white supremacist, do you buy that? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. Jeremy and Racine. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, of course, it's not a white supremacist. Every time I hear things like that, and, and then when you hear politicians on, on primary circuits, uh, mirroring and repeating what that is being said, it just makes me go towards Trump more for 2020 for sure. Well, I, I do wonder about how, to your point, I, I wonder about how average people react to that because you you can say that he's insensitive. You can say that, uh, but, you know, and but but you throw around that that racist term. Or now now to me, when I hear white supremacist, I'm thinking Aryan Brotherhood. I'm thinking KKK guy. And and you go really? I mean, is 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 this what it's come to now? It's, it, it, they haven't even gotten through the primaries yet, and they're already talking like that. I don't even want to know what it's going to be like come next year. Well, yeah, I know it's going to, no, thanks. No, it, I mean, I'll tell you, it, it, it's going to be ugly because, you know, all the gloves are off. And again, I, I, I think there's a lot of stuff, a lot of valid criticisms that you can offer about the, the president. Were his, at least some of his remarks, you know, after the thing in Charlottesville, you know, were, um, did, did, did he strike, I think, a, a poor note with some of his remarks? Yeah, I, I think, I think he did. Can you argue that, you know, some of his policies have a disproportionate impact on persons of color? Okay, I, I understand. You, you can make that argument. But the, the, the fact that, okay, he doesn't believe in open borders, you know, does, does that make him a racist? Is that what we all are nowadays? That this is it? And, and you're a, you're a white supremacist if you don't agree with, you know, this policy or, or that policy. It's the idea, and I think you see this more and more by this branding on the left with a lot of their allies in the media. Look, again, there's a lot of stuff that Trump does, I think, that you could argue is off-putting and things like that. But, you know, a white supremacist, and, and this this is now what passes for the normal dialogue that's out there. And I do wonder, as this kind of dialogue gets ratcheted up, if moving forward, you know, how does this thing all play out? I'll give you an example in Wisconsin. There was, and you know, we just got done last April with the Supreme Court election, and you had the liberal candidate who was, I, I think, viewed by everybody in the mainstream media as, oh, she's going to win this race in a walk. And you had both her advertising and a lot of the lefty advertising and a lot of the newspapers that had decided that they were going to brand the conservative candidate. Oh, he's this, uh, he, he's a racist, he's a religious nut, all these different types of, of things. And you know, and instead of 
again, kowtowing to this, you know, they, they, they fought back. And what you saw is you saw people got mobilized and they didn't like people being criticized because of their religious beliefs. A lot of it was, well, this guy's homophobic, et cetera, et cetera. And what happened is there was a backlash and the conservative candidate, Brian Hagedorn, ended up winning. And it's going to, you know, if I think he's already been sworn in on the state Supreme Court now. So I, I you do wonder if there is going to be a backlash when you throw around terms like, oh, he's got to be a racist or he's got to be a white supremacist or things like that. And I think that's kind of how this all, you know, that this all plays out, which, again, isn't to say that there aren't legitimate issues that you can raise about President Trump and suggesting on some issues he, he's probably more than a little tone deaf. Jeff, here's a text. Walks like a duck, talks like a duck's duck. There is probably a nice gradient that he falls into. He might not be a tattooed member of the Aryan Brotherhood, but he's probably not not a white supremacist in some regard. Huh. I don't know. Not sure the name calling not sure the name calling is ultimately that effective. Now, of course, if you're Spike Lee, you are preaching to a particular crowd who's going to be nodding in agreement. The question becomes, you know, where where is the silent majority on that issue? This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. No, this isn't about pumpkin spice lattes. That normally during the day, I early in the morning, I send my producer Gru uh, a, a show rundown that lists different things that I'm considering talking about. And I didn't do it today because I thought I wasn't sure if you were going to be here or not. So that's my excuse. Actually, I kind of forgot one way. But regardless, I, so I didn't send one out. So the the kind the tease I had is it, it's only August, and he said this isn't about pumpkin spice lattes, is it? And I said, well. What? What, what about pumpkin spice lattes? He said, no, because apparently Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks have just rolled out their pumpkin spice lattes for the middle of August. Is that the, and it's the middle of August. Is that the deal? Yeah, and many are complaining that it's it's August. It's, it's August. 80 degrees, and why are we focusing on something that is primarily happening in October? Well, right, and and see, okay, and, and since... I, you know, if I had known that, I might have incorporated that into where we're going with this particular topic. Uh, but I just, I don't, it wouldn't matter whether it was October or regardless, a pumpkin spice latte has no appeal to me at all. I was in a Walgreens the other day and they had uh, Halloween candy. Well, that is where we are going with this. There was, see, you are more than just another pretty face, Mr. Producer. All right. Uh, last night on today's TMJ4, they had this story. The headline that caught my attention was, we do Christmas year-round. Local retailers already selling Halloween Christmas decorations. Halloween is at the end of October, August, September, October. Halloween, you know, 60, 70 days from now, okay? Um, Christmas, two months after that, essentially. And the story focused on a number of stores. For example, Metro Market and Pick and Save, they're already putting out their Halloween decorations, including jack-o'-lanterns. Um, then um, Millager's, which is a big um, big store down in, in Racine, they do plants and things like that. They are in full bloom for Halloween said because people are already looking. As a matter of fact, if you go down there, they have Christmas trees that are up already. She says, yeah, we, we do Christmas here as well. And here's the interesting thing. The National Retail Federation says that about 12% of consumers start Christmas shopping before September. So that means now or even earlier. All right. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
businesses are already rolling out the Halloween decorations. Some businesses are already even starting to sell artificial Christmas trees and things of the like. My guess is, my guess is those Halloween shops, you know, that, that pop up and are open for a couple weeks, for a couple months before Halloween. My guess is you're going to, what do they call them? The Halloween expresses and things like that. My guess is that you're going to find a bunch of those opening if not before the end of August, certainly, you know, pretty close to after after Labor Day. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry, but it's it's just, to me, it's just way too soon. Now, businesses can do whatever they want. I mean, that, that that's it. And obviously, obviously, I think businesses have a, you know, they, they I, guess, I guess they know what works. But I don't know about you. I'm not thinking about Halloween right now. No, I'll think about Halloween in early October, and I'm sure as heck not thinking about Christmas. Now, if I happen to be somewhere and I see something that I think would make an interesting Christmas gift for somebody, would I consider buying it? Yeah, I, I would. But but the idea that you're going to be going into grocery stores or department stores, if you can find a department store, or you know, shopping malls or strip malls or whatever – and here it's mid-August, and we're already going to be looking at Halloween or Christmas decorations. I just think way too soon. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm still thinking summer. And I guess this has always been one of my sort of little pet peeves because, you know, retailers are always like two seasons ahead. Okay, if, if I'm going to the store right now, I'm still buying stuff for summer. I don't want to see the winter coats. I'm not interested in the winter coats. Once November rolls around, I'll start thinking about the winter coats. Is it too soon? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, really, it's August, and we're talking about Halloween? Let's start with John in Greenfield. Hi, John. You're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I I mentioned to your screener that there's a place on 76th and Layton in Greenfield called Spirit Halloween. Okay. And it's like a Halloween Express. They opened August 12th. <laughs> August 12th? Been going for almost two weeks already. Uh, now, obviously, there must be people that are patronizing it, or you wouldn't open it up. But would, would, it ever, would it ever occur to you to go into a Halloween store in the middle of August? Well, you know, it's it's not the only place, though, in Greenfield. We have a place called At Home. And it's an old Kmart on 27th and Layton. And they've had, since probably mid-July, all of their um, things that they have up. But they, they sell things like those things you put out in your front yard that move all over the place. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and... Uh, so that's been going on already since July. Yeah, I... I yeah, no, I'm, I, I, I get it. I mean, thank, thank, I mean obviously... It's out there. I'm just, and and look, I I appreciate you know you wanting to be prepared and things like that, but I'm not thinking about Christmas tree lights. Now we've got the artificial Christmas tree in the basement, so every once in a while I, I see it when it's it's down there. But I, I'm not thinking about that now, and I'm not thinking about Halloween in in August. Uh, interesting text here four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jeff, I delivered Halloween candy to the Milwaukee Pick and Save stores a few weeks ago, three months to the day before it's handed out to trick or treaters. The store personnel were none too happy. I mean, yeah, it's just I, I you know. 
know, it's just, you know, wow, here, here, here's all the, I've got cartons and cartons and boxes and boxes of Halloween candy to put in storage. Jeff, everything has become so commercial from the holidays, specifically to the seasons in general, that it becomes less enjoyable and more tiresome as I grow older. Halloween and Christmas decorations in August, too soon. Pumpkin latte when it's 80 degrees, uh, no thanks. Uh, 414-799-1620. Jeff, it's all about the money. This is way too I'm, – I'm a capitalist. It makes me cynical because it makes it seems like it's just about the money. It's way too soon, especially now. I'm clinging on to every last wonderful day of summer. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Heidi in Milwaukee. Heidi, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. I'd say I have to agree. Um, my family, we ordered a takeout at Cracker Barrel a couple of weeks ago. And um, as I sit in the corner, yeah, I sat there and had the Christmas decorations out. And I thought, geez, you know, as much as I love Cracker Barrel, I just want to enjoy the summer. It's such a short season. And I thought it's just too early to start thinking about Christmas. So Cracker Barrel had the crit- some Christmas decorations out already? Yeah, I hadn't walked around the store, so I don't know if it was, you know, the entire floor, but definitely, the, you know, they were already putting it out, so... Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Right. They, they, can you imagine? Thanks. I'm trying to imagine if I if I'm an employee of one of these stores and you know it's it's August and people are coming in and my guess is most people are still yeah I, I my my swimsuit has a rip in it or or whatever or I need a a light windbreaker or something for fall. Um, hmm. Jeff, you are exactly right. Let's enjoy summer while we have it. Take one season at a time. <laughs> Embrace the moment. Stop thinking so far. Ahead, Jeff, my wife used to decorate a room at the Pabst Mansion, and she would do Christmas starting in March. These days, she and I decorate our tree on Christmas Eve. We take it down on New Year's Day. Summer is way too short as it is. Um, yeah, let's talk to Jill in Muskego. Jill, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Jill. Hey, I, just want, I just wanted to say, it is early, too early for Christmas, Halloween. But if you don't buy when they put the stuff out, when the season actually does come, everything is so picked over, and there's nothing left, whether it be the right size or the right decoration. All of it's all picked over. Or, or, the, or, or even the candy and stuff. If the guy's delivering all the candy three months beforehand, they're going to put all that stuff out. So if you want the good candy, you've got to buy it months in advance. Yep, they that, got you. I mean, you've got to buy it when it's there, and you got to buy it early. That's nuts, Jill. I mean, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that's just nuts. Yeah, it is nuts, but, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Now, thanks. It, interesting. I mean, it, yeah, I guess I guess you're going to have to do that. And like I say, I mean, I, I understand there's a – I understand there's a, a value to it. The stores wouldn't do this if if they didn't think it was going to work. I mean, okay, so let, let's carry this to its logical extreme, Gru. If, if we're putting out Christmas trees at Millinger's and, and we're um, – and, and we've got the Halloween candy that's out at the pick and saves, and we've got the Halloween stores that are opening. I mean, all right, when, when is it? When should radio stations flip over to all Christmas music? I mean, why, you know, I mean, if you're if, under this theory, if you're going to do it in December, why not just do it in October, huh? Could you imagine just like someone in a convertible r- driving down the third ward? blaring jingle bells and <laughs> yeah, anything right. like that. Exactly. You're right. It's 82 degrees outside. You know, you've got this humidity and stuff. It's going to be gorgeous all week. You know, that Labor Day's coming up. Snowy. You know, you're, you're trying to get get those last 
couple August nights that are in where you go out and you see the music under the stars and things like that. You're trying to enjoy all this. And, yeah, oh, good. You know, W, you know, X, Y, Z has, they, they, they've gone 24-7 Christmas music. Here, let, let's listen to Rudolph. It just, it, it makes you just want to bang your head against a brick wall. But it is the world we live in. No, we are... We, I, I can guarantee, look, I can't make you too many guarantees in life. I can't, I, I, I can guarantee you this. Long as I'm here doing this show, we're not going wall to wall Christmas music from noon to three on WTMJ. And you can take that to the bank.